Welcome to the NFL All 32 podcast here from Football Game Plan. You can listen to this podcast at all times on SoundCloud and iTunes, where we will cover everything NFL from week one to off the field issues to all the big storylines we will be keeping an eye on. I am David Hassigan. With us, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Anthony Moranoni. Guys, how are you, everybody doing? You ready for week one? We oh, absolutely. Week- it's, up, it's about oh. time. It's about time. The fantasy drafts have been done. We've been complaining about them and absolutely. or bragging about them since we've been off the air. <laughs> Emery is too busy for all of this nonsense. He doesn't do fantasy drafts, do you? Nah, I, I do too much other stuff to, to do that. Right? <laughs> Only fantasy advice I give people is to wait to hold your drafts. I don't know why people want to have these drafts early when you have what happened this past weekend in the NFL happen and now you're like man you know or imagine if you had your draft early and you drafted Andrew Luck right I mean yeah yeah, it it, it could be a whole lot worse but then again yeah I've seen some really bad ones over the years anyway so let's get into the all NFL 32 podcast here folks and again you can follow this on football game plan as well as uh, youtube.com slash football game plan. And we are on TV for the NFL All 32 show, uh, as well as college football content. You can find that all there on the Game Plus Network. 100 years of NFL. Two milestones, really. 150 years of college football, but 100 years of the NFL this season. I mean, 100 years of anything is impressive nowadays, but 100 years of a sport where you're literally trying to knock the crap out of your opponents. This is where we're at with the NFL, but such a legacy to uphold. Talk about the evolution, guys. I mean, you're going from leather helmets and no face masks and really no rules to now the biggest sport on the planet, biggest sport in America. Talk about this. Emory, you played in college football. You know, you talk about the evolution. What have you seen through the years? Well, it's funny because at one point in time, you know, college football is, what, 150 years old, so... For a while, college football was the thing in this country. And, you know, you're talking about from 1869 to 1920, it was all college football. And in the first years of the NFL, nobody wanted to play pro ball because college football was king. They didn't think pro football would last. And to see it go from the barnstorming era of playing multiple games in a, in a week, you know, to where it is now, it's, it's impressive to see. It has really overtaken baseball, I would say, maybe 40, 50 years ago. You could probably say it yeah. has you know, passed baseball to, to being America's pastime to where football has become a year-round sport to where we're looking at you know, a new league uh, coming out. So I think just that evolution of, of going from a game that nobody played to a game that you can't live without has just been the most impressive thing about it. Yeah, I mean, just the evolution of the game in my lifetime, period, you know, and that's Mm. only about to be 29 years. I've seen the NFL divisions change. I've seen the regular season schedule change, rules change, equipment change. I remember guys running around in giant shoulder pads that, like, looking (laughs) on the TV screen, it's like, wow, that must be so heavy as a child. So now they're running around with Michael Bennett wearing kickers pads, just flying around the field, just making the game more dynamic. The evolution is going to continue, and this game hopefully will continue for another 100 years, and our generations down the line is going to be having the same conversation. Yeah, and I think that's why the NFL and pro football in general has been able to evolve and still remain king for so long now because they've been able to evolve. And you've seen 
back in the day with the Jim Brown days where it's just ground and pound and now it's every it's all about speed now. Now everybody's got to be fast. Everybody's got to run that 4340 and you know, you see the ball flying 40 50 passes a game now. Um it's definitely evolved to a more exciting game. Some may some old folks may disagree, but it's uh, definitely <laughs> evolved big time and um I think that's what keeps the NFL so fresh and that's why we need it and it's I mean seriously from September on through February it's a holiday so and and you can't say that for any other sport was that a shot at Emory by the way some old folks might disagree is that, is that, <laughs> no, uh, it's been funny because I've seen you know I know people older than me can't remember certain parts about the game that has changed but you know I remember when it was 28 teams you know I remember when the NFC West and, AF, and NFC Central and AFC Central were like five teams in the division where none of it still made sense. You know, when you look at the NFC West, you had Falcons, Saints, 49ers, Rams, and then the Panthers when they came in. So I've seen two expansions, the Panthers and uh, Jaguars, and then the Texans come in, seen the Browns leave. It's just been cool to see, like, the, you know, the, the game changing from that uh, perspective. I still think they can even add more teams, um, you know, expand a little bit more out west so maybe that's something that could be in store for the next 100 years if the planet stays around and, uh, <laughs> yeah if, if we last that long we'll have to see what happens in terms of uh the hurricane season which is finally starting to kick off we'll see how that affects also a couple of the week one games uh with hurricane dorian coming through one of the things that like i'm so excited about for football period is how offense has changed how how we've grown to see that like Alex Touch, got to see the ground and pound. Then Bill Walsh came. You, you, you moved to the West Coast offense, and now you had the Wildcat offense, and now we're running RPOs. What's going to be the next? I'm excited to see what's going to be the next type of offense to take over the And league. the evolution, too, of just the replay era. How that's just changed the game incredibly was just the replay era. You could almost argue without replay, you could talk about the Patriots dynasty, maybe not even getting started with the tuck play. Now, the, the re- way replay has done now, the way the rules have changed, um, some of the not for the better, I think you could argue, some of it for the better, some of it for the better of the players. Um, but certainly 100 years, quite a bit of change, and hopefully 100 more we'll have to see. But let's talk about the here and now. Let's talk about the present. Let's talk about 2019. Training camp is now done. The preseason is over. And now we've gotten through cut day. And this is always the interesting part of the season where, wait, they let who go? Oh, good, we can sign him now. For every NFL team, every NFL fan base, there's always that one head-scratcher, though. It's like, why the hell did we let him go? What do you think is the biggest cut that you've seen? What's the most surprising cut from a team in this preseason? Yeah, right now for me, uh, I think it's Josh Doxson. Um now you can now there's there's definitely other names out there like I can understand why LaShawn McCoy for example got cut because right. because it's a contract situation it's a crowded backfield they got a young guy like it it all makes sense in that regard but like when you think about it it's like wow we're really cutting LaShawn McCoy so I get the shock factor yeah. but for me a guy like Josh Doxson because he was a first round pick he was a guy that never really lived up to that billing but you could also make the argument that the quarterback play and the rest of the team wasn't around him uh wasn't able to let him uh mature into the receiver who's supposed to be first year receiver uh, receivers typically struggle so yeah. i figured this year having haskins uh, now i know he's not starting week 1 but having haskins there and a potentially young nucleus with Darius Geis coming into his first year i thought Dotson would have been seen as a guy that, that could 
grow with those players on a new era. Um, and so to see him cut and to see Jay Gruden and company give up on him, uh, I thought was pretty shocking. Uh, I'm going to go with two from the same team. Okay. Brian Hoyer. Not necessarily surprised. What's surprising <laughs> is what that tells me with that cut is that the Patriots are really vested in Stidham. You know, yeah. if Brady goes down next week, Stidham is, is going to be their quarterback for the season. You know what I mean? I, I would have thought that they would have kept, <laughs> maybe have kept Hoyer on the team and then still had Stidham learning from Brady. Just for a veteran presence. Just, yeah, exactly. Just for a veteran presence, just in case Brady did go down, you know? But Demarius Thomas on that team as well. Now, I know that they're bringing him back because Nikhil Harry is going to be placed on IR. But I would have, if he would never have been placed on IR, DT wouldn't be on the team. And I saw DT possibly taking over more of a Gronk role now that Gronk's not there, lining up in, lining up in stacked sets for them, giving him that same big-body presence coming off close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I'd probably go with LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the contract situation, but, I mean, watching him run in the preseason, he still has it. And so if you're telling me we are going to lose a LaShawn McCoy that still has some wiggle, some elusiveness, and roll with Frank Gore and uh, – Devin Singletary and say that's a winning backfield, I'm going to say you just got, you know, you got worse a little bit. Uh, yeah. We we don't know what Singletary is. Gore, I think, is still good. Um, to me, he's he's transitioned from, you know, starting back a threat to more Alfred Morris now. He's just kind of a guy that's, you know, he's, I don't want to say he's a jag, but he's just, you know, another guy that's kind of a part of the backfield. I thought McCoy would have made that backfield potent. Now you're going to put more pressure on Josh Allen. Um, and that jury sit all on him. So, but kudos for Kansas City making that acquisition. You know, because all you heard all offseason, people talking about Damian Williams. But those that know knew Damian Williams was never going to be the starter and never going to be the guy. They were going to always find somebody else to be the starter, and he did. And LeSean McCoy, I think he's going to look real well in that offense. Why well, I had McCoy there as well, and you talk about the the lack of depth. I think for me, for Buffalo and a team that. I think could be a wild card potential candidate. I mean, they've got a week one matchup with the Jets, which is going to be critical. Uh, it's going to come down to those two for finishing second, obviously behind the Patriots, because unless something crazy like Brady does go down, the Patriots are winning this division. But I, I was just shocked to let a guy that that is that dynamic when you really don't have much proven depth. I mean, they, they have TJ Yeldon listed on the roster here for Buffalo. So, you know, if you want to go for the guy from Alabama, I can understand why, but... If you're counting on Devin Singletary to get most of your carries as a rookie, I mean, I think that's that that could be a very, very costly mistake, I think, for Buffalo moving forward. Although they do have the defense, I think, to help out on the offense side of the ball. Yeah, defensively, they're going to be good this year. I just don't – offensively, there's going to be some questions, and obviously one of the biggest ones is Josh Allen. Uh, you know, def- defensively, I think they're going to be argu- – I think they are the best defense in the AFC East. Some may see it as a hot take, but I just think defensively Buffalo is excellent at all three levels. And especially at home. Especially at home in late in the year, especially. December rolls around. You don't want to go up to Buffalo. Well, quite. you know, for me, home in a, in a way don't matter. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. It's a myth. <laughs> Mr. Kalamazoo over here flying up to Michigan on a random. Oh, that was my first time to Michigan, too. Oh. I had never been to Michigan. Right. Yeah, Kalamazoo. You know, yeah, it's, it's Kalamazoo. First of all, uh, <laughs> shout out to Western Michigan's press box food. Um, oh, I heard about this. This is that a nacho good. bar and a taco bar. 
I've never seen it. And they had very good mac and cheese for the Midwest. Um, for the Midwest. Because you know, their breadcrumbs on it. No, it wasn't. That's why I said for the Midwest. <laughs> oh, the, no, no. The, the nacho cheese tastes like, well, the cheese tastes like nacho cheese on the macaroni. So, um, totally ran through that pregame, <laughs> like ran through it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get back to the NFL and get away from your mac and cheese and your your judging of mac. It and was cheese. awesome. Come on, uh, walking up those steps weren't awesome. Up to that stadium, though. That was, it, that's your cardio for the day. You weren't doing any cardio all day, so you get to walk up the steps. <laughs> Hamstrings are burning. Let's get into, again, the season is now in, going into question week one. A lot of weekend matchups, interdivision as well, but a lot of questions around a lot of teams right now. So if there's a burning concern around the NFL, around one team, who would you say, what's your burning question going into 2019? Why did Fitzpatrick win that starting job? <laughs> that is my question. And how long will he hold that job? I think you can say that for a couple of quarterbacks. Couple too. You of can quarterbacks, talk about so. you can say the situation in Washington. Same thing. How in it the was world between those two teams? It, it, it's uh, and Miami, especially. I mean, they, they just wanted it for they wanted it for the post game presser with Fitzmagic, and you don't know what <laughs> outfit they're going to go with. But I mean, Miami's got a lot of questions right now, though. That, that that's a team where. I mean, yeah, they beat the Patriots last year on a total fluke play at the end of the game, but if they end up outside of the top five in next year's draft, I'm going to be a little bit shocked. I'm going to be honest with you. There's, I don't think there's much depth there. My question is going to be the Cleveland Browns. There's a lot of egos in that locker room. How many big heads can you have in one place? Is there enough football to spread around? I don't know. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I, I think Baker's got a lot better leadership qualities than what you get in the sound bites and, you know, what you get in the pressers and, oh, he's just a kid, he's immature, whatever. I think he's got a lot better leadership qualities on the field than people give him credit for. But there's so many egos in that room. If something goes wrong early on for Cleveland, they could go from potentially winning that division to looking below 500. That, that's, that's mine. Yeah, for me, I, uh, I look at the Houston Texans in this recent trade. Uh, they're all, you have to say that they're all in this year. You give up two first, uh, two for a first and a second round pick, um, to uh, two prominent picks, uh, to grab a left tackle. You are all in, and this got to be Bill O'Brien's been on the hot seat for however many years now. So with uh, Bill O'Brien making this trade uh, as the acting GM, it's got to tell you that like, if you don't do it this year as Houston, how much longer are we keeping Bill O'Brien around? I think the thing with Bill O'Brien is he never had a fully healthy team for the full season, though, especially on the defensive side. And of the I think ball. that's I think that's why he's still around. I think I think that's that. why he's still around. I, I think the hot seat is unnecessarily hot, maybe around him. Um, but I, I can I can certainly see where you're coming from. The, the fans are impatient, I think, right. uh, with getting something on the line. But as you said, this kind of trade, they're going to be very interesting to watch in their division. Emery, what do you got? I'm interested to see this San Francisco 49ers football team because I'm so sick of hearing about <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, the offensive genius, and <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, this, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Here, People are anti-facts in this country, and I'm going to give you some cold, hard facts. Uh-oh. Kyle Shanahan, as a head coach, is 10-22. That's not good. And the only time since he's been the OC, which has been, let's count it all, four Six, eight, nine. Nine years as an OC has only had the one year, the Falcons, in which he had really good offense, where which was in tune with Matt Ryan having an MVP season, which was compounded on the end by him having the worst play calls in the Super Bowl. So 
What actually are we talking about with Kyle Shanahan? Now let's move over to Jimmy Garoppolo, Mr. 8-2 career record. You know, it is a game where you can win. But quickly, he got that $100-plus million contract from San Francisco because he went 5-0 on the back end of the season. But in those five games, seven touchdowns, five picks. Last year, five touchdowns, three picks, and a 1-2 and two record. Really, that one is shaky because he threw a game-losing pick six against Detroit in which they called back because of a block in the back or something like that or offside. So they, it negated the, the pick mm-hmm. six. But the decision was still terrible. And so we still don't know who the hell Jimmy Garoppolo is. And Kyle Shanahan is getting this this uh, credit for, you know, these plays. I, just, I think it's a lot of uh, social media creation. You know, all you got to do really is put a back out wide at receiver, have an orbit motion, and people quickly call you, oh, my God, look how innovative his office is. <laughs> you know? So he's been surviving off the last name and, um, you know, his formations or what have you, and Garoppolo has been surviving off his stint in New England, which we saw him get hurt when he started, and we saw him get hurt uh, in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. So we still don't know who he is. Can he stay healthy? And can they actually post a winning season? That's back to back double digit loss season. So I want to see if this because a lot of people are picking him to go to the playoffs. Exactly. I, that, exactly. I don't see that. Everybody Ooh. are picking him either to to go to the playoffs. Or or win the division and get the win to get in to be into the playoffs. So I need to see something happen with San Francisco because right now nothing has happened in the last since they won the draft. Remember they won the draft two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, the, the thing I'm making that take about them making the playoffs says Tennessee's winning the SEC this year. So I I, I wouldn't exactly I wouldn't exactly call that a reputable source. shout out to Georgia State. <laughs> shout out to Georgia State, definitely. Again, folks, this is the NFL All-32 Podcast. You can listen to this on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search football game plan in the podcast section. Let's move into week one. A lot of a lot of interesting matchups here. So we're going to talk about what do you think the best and worst matchup. If you're if you're a casual fan, you know, obviously if you, you've just gotten the NFL Game Pass, you've just gotten your 86-inch or whatever it is TV screen, you want a game to watch. So what's the best game that you have coming out of week one? Right now, for me, it's the first game of the season. I think they did it right with the Packers and the Bears. Yes. Uh, the anniversary game, um, you got Aaron Rodgers, who's Aaron Rodgers, even though he doesn't really have a true number two receiver right now. Jimmy Graham is coming off concussion. He's still Aaron Rodgers, and he gets to go up against the best defense in football. Uh, getting to watch Khalil Mack anytime is going is must-watch TV. So yeah. to be able to do it uh, on the national stage, I think by far that's going to be the best game of the week. Yeah, that week one game last year between them, that, that game was special. That's it right. really was. My best game of week one is going to be two high-flying offenses in the New Orleans Saints and the Houston Texans. The Texans make the trade for Tunzel. They get Duke Johnson. The Saints offense, we already know that offense is high-flying. It should definitely be of an abundance of touchdowns in this game, just back and forth. So if you're a casual fan wanting to watch a high-flying game, an exciting game, it's the Saints and the Texans. For me, I think the Titans and Browns are going to be a really good game because of there's a bunch of storylines here. You have the Marcus Mariota storyline of how people feel as though Tannehill is better because how he performed in the preseason as if we just didn't see Tannehill's <laughs> seven-year career in Miami. Yeah. you know, And we actually see Marcus Mariota in the playoffs uh, and actually have a, a win in the playoffs. 
so I'm interested to see that game from a Tennessee standpoint. And also, the Browns, with all the talent they have on paper, how will it translate to the field? Because we've seen this happen before with other teams that have had a ton of talent on paper. Some it has worked out. You, you talk about the 94 49ers that had all that talent. They ended up mm. going to the Super Bowl. You talk about that New England Patriots team when they brought in Randy Moss. We've seen this happen before where teams are stacked with talent and it pays off. So we'll see if it pays off for uh, the Browns. I, I just want to see, uh, you know, how, how this game – because this, this was also probably my upset pick of the week because it has some intrigue here because you got the Browns. Uh, their offensive line is still a question. Tennessee yep. can apply pressure. And they have some ball hawks on the back end. We know they can put the ball in harm's way. But on the other side, we know they have some issues in coverage. Uh, and we know the Browns come in here with OBJ, um, uh, Jarvis Landry, and Higgins, who has great rapport with, with uh, Baker. So that one is an intriguing game for me. I think the blowout of the week, though, is going to be Baltimore and Miami. Like, I'm excited that's to see that one. From, that's going to look like homecoming. That, that, that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a nasty game to watch. I, I'm looking forward to the Sunday night game. I think Steelers at Pats, I mean, you're talking about two legendary franchises, two legendary quarterbacks. I mean, you're talking about two maybe of the best ever with Roethlisberger and Tom Brady. Um, I think the Steelers, are, there's a lot of questions about them. How do they reload? They, got a, they have a lot of openings now on this roster. And you could almost say the same thing for the Patriots. You lose a Gronkowski, that's a big part of your offense. Tom Brady has good as he looks, is still not getting any younger. But yet, they always find a way. So what I want to see what evil genius uh, Mr. Belichick has in store for this season uh, in New England. That's I think a cop it's an out. You, you, took a, you took the cop out. With, I thought <laughs> what you do you mean? Pick. He took the cop out. Alec took the cop out with the like... first game on the schedule. But it is the best game of the week. No, you can't avoid it. Well, I can't <laughs> double up on that. Come on now. Well, let's talk about the worst game of the week then. I, I, I think there's a couple of ones for this. Oh, this I think, oh, yes. think Bengals-Seahawks. I think that's going to be a brutal game to watch. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, as much as I love Russell Wilson, there's not much for me to look at in that in that matchup, especially with how Cincinnati looks this year. They, they just look incredibly, incredibly weak. I'd be surprised if they get five or six, even six wins this year. I, I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game of football. Uh, the 12-man fans might be the best part of this game. So that, that, that's my question for the worst game of the week. Now, I'm going to help you out here. It's Baltimore and Miami. Like, <laughs> that is easily the worst matchup. This game would have been intriguing for Miami uh, prior to training camp because the roster you looked at is like, you know, they, they drafted well. The defense should be good, especially in the secondary. They got some added talent on the defensive line. Offensively, if they do the right thing and start Josh Rosen, they have some weapons around him. They could use Mike Jasicki. Uh, they have some talent at receiver. The offensive line got Tunzel, and you know they got some depth in the backfield, some talent, some explosiveness. They can get creative. Now you look at the roster. You like they're this may be thirty to seven, like, and that's a that's a horrific blowout in that's the NFL. That's generous. Yeah, because a blowout in the NFL to me is uh, ten points or more. You know. Because a double-digit win in the NFL to me is a blowout because the games are so close because everybody's good. Um, so if you are beating someone by more than – by double digits, you're, that's a blowout. So this is the worst matchup, I think, of the week. Everyone doubts Fitzmagic until you get beaten by Fitzmagic. Anyway. He's going to throw eight picks. We may see Josh Rosen this game. Like He's going to throw so many interceptions. <laughs> like I said, keep doubting Fitzmagic. It will kick you in the ass somewhere along the line. 
Troy, who do you got? Worst game of the week. Worst game of the week. I'm going to have to take a divisional game and go with the Eagles and the Redskins. Wow. Yeah. Now, the wow. NFC East typically always plays each other tight, but I think the Eagles come and crack the Redskins this week. They, they're they just stacked all around. That defense is ridiculous. That offense was ridiculous, and now they add even more. They trade for Jordan Howard, who I think is better than Ajayi. I'm not that high on Howard, but he's better than Ajayi. And rookie Miles Sanders, he's going to be a problem. They also bring D-Jax back. I don't think Washington has any type of firepower compared to theirs. Offensively, able to stop them defensively, it's not going to happen. Does, Eagles are going to smack them, I think. Does the Haskin, Haskins ever start in week one as well, do you think? I don't think Haskins starts not yet. in week one. But do you think he comes in in week one? No, the error does not, not begin in week one. That's not Fitzpatrick we're talking about at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you guys took all the bad games. Uh, I actually like the rest of the games. I was all about the Dolphins game being the worst game just after the rebuild. Uh, clearly, the rebuild. you know, and uh, they're not interested in winning games, obviously, by having Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback. Um, so it's just clearly and, – and Baltimore just – I think is just on another level. I think Lamar Jackson is going to just shoot up uh, the ranks this year. And I think this is going to be like one of those statement games from Lamar Jackson where he comes out and just puts on with the arm, with the legs, and just it's, it's going to be just too ugly to pick any other game. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Fitzpatrick. You just missed that bus. It just ran over this you is me. on the way. This is, this is me. I, I'm a big Fitzpatrick believer, but I, I, you know, I tried to be when he was a Jet, but now it's, I, I, see, I get it. The cycle is, is, is towards a downfall for at least, at least I will say this about Fitzpatrick. At least it's not going to be like, the Tom Savage era we saw, oh God, you know, no. two years ago with Deshaun Watson. Savage, like yeah. he was named the starter, and we're gonna go with the veteran that lasted all of a quarter. It, it, <laughs> can we call something an error that never actually happened? Hey, can we can hey, we go? We gotta, we gotta start. We gotta make sure we know that he chose Tom Savage to start over Deshaun Watson. And of course, I mean, uh, the other game we have to watch out here is the Colts Chargers game, the first game in the Jacoby Brissett era. Uh, I mean, again, that maybe that one has gotten underway for the Colts, so that'll be interesting to watch against a pretty good Chargers team. So we'll see what happens there. Detroit and Arizona is another one too, uh, because I, I I don't know about Detroit this year, man. I think this could be a game where Arizona just comes out legitimately firing on all cylinders. And it's a game I wanted to pick, but I still don't know what Arizona is yet, so that's why I didn't <laughs> want to like jump. I mean, if this was week two and they are, you know that big offense that we expect them to be, then maybe. But I, I'm not ready to give that to Kyler Murray and the team yet. You know, it loves Arizona comes out week one. They do like a triple option run the first play. <laughs> right. Just do a complete right. opposite of what they were expecting. And then, all right, after that, all right, that's enough. All right, let's just throw the ball along. It's fine. Um, so certainly a lot to keep an eye on, folks, uh, in week one. So, again, Jags and Dolphins both home this week, though. So we'll have to keep an eye on that with Hurricane Dorian. And uh, for anybody who's listening down in the south, uh, southeast of the country, Carolinas, Georgia, be safe out there. Make sure to listen out for the uh, the warnings out there and uh, evacuate if you are told to. This Miami, to Miami got with. like way more to worry about than the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's never a good sign, folks. <laughs> they, uh, the ravens flying in there. They, just, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> this is going to be real ugly. Let's talk about now the far too early, but we should do it anyway. Previews, our predictions. We're going to talk about the most overrated and underrated teams going into the season. The MVP, a team that missed the playoffs last year that's going to make it, and the Super Bowl matchup and winner. So most overrated team, overrated team going into 2019 is who? I'm going to go with San Francisco again. 
I've seen people say, people that a lot of people respect in this industry say San Francisco is going to get a wild card spot or San Francisco is going to be a playoff team. I'm like, do they respect them anymore? But I was just like, <laughs> how? Like, point to where they're stronger than Seattle, New Orleans, Atlanta, um, three of the teams in the East. You can even throw, are they better than the Redskins pound for pound? No. Are they better than the Eagles or the Cowboys? Absolutely not. Are they better than Green Bay in Chicago? No. Minnesota? No. Then who are the hell are they going to beat to get into the playoffs? Like, so even with Kirk Cousins, I will take Minnesota over San Francisco. So I think they're the most overrated team. I think a team everybody is sleeping on is Baltimore. Because yeah. I've seen these same people and even more say Baltimore will either have a six and ten record or maybe eight and eight missed the playoffs. They're expecting them to not be good, despite the fact that they're coming off a six and one run with a rookie quarterback, new offensive weapons, him going into the you know the all season as the unquestioned starter, spending the entire time working with these receivers that are dynamic. By the way, Marquise Brown is a full go. Miles Boykin is already shine in the preseason we know the report he has with the uh the tight end position and the running back position has mark ingram justice hill and the, the pack of backs they had last year so and his defense is still the ravens defense yeah so and they add earl thomas i don't understand why people are high on san francisco and low on baltimore i think that to me are your overrated and underrated teams coming into the season for me overrated i'm gonna have to go with the steelers now, not that the Steelers are a bad team. It's just everybody is chalking this division up to being between them and the Browns. I also feel as if the Ravens should definitely be in contention there. Everybody's just giving the Steelers the benefit of the doubt in this division. When this division, damn near overnight, has gotten way, way better. Yeah. And there's a lot of question marks on the Steelers now. Now that A.B. is gone, does James Washington step up and take a huge role that Juju had? We know that Juju can be that number one. Can Washington be a strong number two or Moncrief? And I definitely question James Conner. Can he carry the load by himself the entire season? We've seen injuries come into play. Uh, Jalen Samuels had to step up in a big way last season. Is he going to have to do it again? Now, underrated teams. Emery stole mine. I was going to go with the Ravens again. <laughs> Agree with him 100%. The Ravens are definitely underrated this year. But another team that is underrated is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars definitely have a lot of talent on that defense. We know this. And they just added to it by drafting Josh Allen. Now that offense, they have foals now. They finally have a quarterback who can get it done. We've seen him get it done. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Leonard Fournette is their running back. If he can stay healthy, he should do big things. He should be easily over a 1,000-yard rusher. Now they're wide receivers. They're going to get Marquise Lee back at some point during the season. He's going to have to step up huge. D.D. Westbrook is going to have to step up taking over the number one role to kick off the season. And Chris Connolly is going to finally get his shot to jump into an offense as a number two. He didn't really get that in Kansas City because they were stacked all around. But this offense, we have to see if it can be explosive now that they have Foles, a quarterback of their future. My most overrated team right now is the Green Bay Packers. Now, they're not picked to be Super Bowl contenders from most experts, but right now they're looked upon as one of the favorites in the NFC North that I think is pretty stacked. you got a team that a clear favorite in Chicago, and then you have a team in Minnesota who, despite 
the fact that I don't feel confident at all in their quarterback, they still have a very well-rounded team that will keep them in all their games. I think Green Bay is not looked at as one of the bottom teams in this league because of Aaron Rodgers. Take away Aaron Rodgers, I don't see this team winning more than four or five games. Uh, the defense lost Clay Matthews this offseason, uh, and they haven't really replaced anybody else on that defensive side of the ball. They also they traded away Hall Clinton Dix last year. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, outside of Devontae Adams, you have injury-plagued um, Aaron Jones, you have injury-plagued uh, Jimmy Graham, and uncertainty at the number two receiver spot. Aaron Rodgers keep you so far, but I, I don't understand why teams, uh, why experts and everybody is thinking that this team is an 8, 9, 10 win team. I just don't see it. Last year, they had Rodgers all year, and they didn't come close to that. Now, my most underrated team is the Buffalo Bills. The mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills, I feel like, just get... People see them on the schedule, and they're just like, that's a win. Everywhere you look, it's like, oh, Bills, all right, well, that'll be a win. Why? This team is one of the best defenses in football. I understand the uncertainty at quarterback still. It's his year in year two with Josh Allen. But if he progresses, there's no reason why this team, with more weapons around them, doesn't steal some wins. Especially, it's not like they're playing world beaters in the AFC East. The New York Jets have proved nothing. The uh, Miami Dolphins are rebuilding. That could... I'm not going to say easily, but that could be four wins just in the division. I'm not saying they're going to take down New England at all. But going into Buffalo, I feel that there is a home field advantage, especially late in December, especially when you're playing a team that's so used to playing in the Dome. I think going into Buffalo, that's you can almost chalk that as a win to Buffalo. I never bet against them there. Um, I think this is a team whose de- that defense is going to keep them in every game, and as long as Josh Allen doesn't throw the game away, they have a shot in most games. And don't forget, they were a playoff team two years ago. Mr. Marinoni with a lot of anger, a little bent up aggression there. I, I, I can tell you're a Jets fan. This is. This I've just seen. I just. I just. I just watched Buffalo dismantle the Jets in person, forty-two <laughs> to ten last year, and went. Why do people hate on this team? <laughs> well, I'm glad he brought up Buffalo because, uh, you know, let's talk about that. You know, they went to the playoffs. You said what two years ago? Mm-hmm. Who was the quarterback? That's that big question there. Tyrod Taylor. Offensive line was a lot better. Um, running game had who was. Sean McCoy. Oh man, like so, yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, oh. Well, I'll be damn. So let's, <laughs> and and then let's look at uh, the. You said they added weapons around Josh Allen. Yeah. John Brown and Cole Beasley. Well, that's better. That's that's better than who he was throwing to last year, which I actually don't even know the names. The offensive tackle caught a touchdown last year <laughs> against the Jets. So. Robert, Robert Foster, who uh, who now has to fight for. Jockeying in this this rebuilt, uh, you know, they got John Brown, Zay Jones, and Cole Beasley. I, you know, I think this is. Uh, I think defensively, you're right. They're that's going to be, you know, they're gonna, they're going to be in it. But I just can't trust. I, I can't say they got weapons around, you know, Josh Allen, and you know, you go to Buffalo. Who's the best team is in the. Uh, in the league, in your opinion, the best team in the league right now. Yeah, who would uh, you say is the best team in the league? Man, I'm not going to go against New England until they prove me so wrong. So New England go to Buffalo. You think they worried about um, Josh Allen, Zay Jones, and and John Brown? I don't think New England is, but who, I think the other. Who's I think the fifth best team. Let's say just <laughs> let's, let's say Atlanta goes to to, this to is Buffalo. Just an execution, folks. No, it's just it's just like I just don't I I because a lot of people think how you're thinking about Buffalo, perhaps. And there's room because somebody has to finish second. We know it's not going to be Miami. I think their defense is better than the Jets. Uh, Offensively, I think the Jets have better offensive weapons. But does that cancel out? Like, it's going to be interesting. So, 
it's not totally a hot take, but you know, I just me, I wouldn't be afraid to face that Bills offense. Well, just to be clear, I'm not saying the Bills are going to make a deep playoff run. No, 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 no. So, but no, but no, I just think they're a team that's going to steal wins. Like last year, I think when they took down um, Minnesota, it was like forty something yeah, or they ten. Them out. I, I think that's more of a credit to their team and their defense rather than Minnesota just looking past. I think it's a, a factor of both. Uh, situations, but I think that's the build showing that they have something. They have enough defensively that if you make enough mistakes, as long as Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball, he doesn't have to be Mr. Throwing for 400 yards and he all these things. Just be Trubisky. Just be Trubisky, right. I mean, honestly, be Mark Sanchez of the first two years of the Jets. And, and <laughs> I mean, Mark Sanchez went to two AFC Championship games. not saying, like I said, they're not going to go there. I don't think they're offensively they have the star power the Jets had then. I'm about to say, yeah. But, but they can steal wins. And if this team went 7-9, 8-8, and was the reason why a team like the Jets missed the playoffs because of a wild card or the Browns or whoever, I wouldn't be surprised. Mark Sanchez, first battle Hall of Famer on Twitter. As of his first two years of the league. I'm going to go with my my underrated team because you talked about the overrated the Steelers. I totally agree with all your points that you made. I really can't expand on that. But I think the Carolina Panthers are getting looked past by a lot of people. Brand new offensive scheme that's going to take a lot of pressure off of Cam Newton. You've got probably one of the best dynamic backs in Christian McCaffrey that people don't really give enough credit to. Good weapons on the outside. Greg Olson's probably one of the best tight ends in the league right now. Just, again, everything is under the radar with Carolina. No one gives them the credit. Carolina Panthers, I think, is a team that I think could even make the playoffs this season. I think, I think they're finally going to be on the way back. Um, it's not going to be a huge jump up from where they were last year, but I think just in, in terms of how people are seeing them in terms of this year's overall spectrum of the NFL, I think they're getting overlooked. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the Wait, playoffs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's your um, overrated team? Pittsburgh. I, I, that's what okay, I said. Okay. Which, which Troy, Troy took a lot of my points on that one. He, he spoke extremely eloquently on the Pittsburgh Steelers situation. Too many questions. Ben, Big Ben's not getting any younger. If he gets another injury, there's no help you know, for whoever the quarterback is that steps in uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're talking playoffs already now. One team that missed the playoffs in 2018 that will make it in 2019. Oh, man. I'm going to ride that train and say the Cleveland Browns. Oh, the Cleveland. <laughs> He's jumped on the hype train. He's the engineer of I'm the in. hype train. I'm on it. No, no I mean, they, there's no excuse why they shouldn't. I mean, they have, they have all the pieces. There's, now there's no more, okay, last year, last year they did what they had to do. They went from a joke to a legitimate team. Now, are you going from a legitimate NFL team to a playoff team? And I think this year they have to make that jump. There's no excuses why not. The defense is solid all the way, all levels. And now you just added Odell to the to that uh, to that team. Why not? Yeah, I w- I would agree with you. I would say Cleveland or the Jet. Um, I think the AFC North can get three teams in. You know, last year they almost got two. It took the Browns and you know the Browns were in a mix to, between right. both of those teams. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So I think the Jets will be much improved. I do think they can. They'll finish second. But Cleveland, it's hard to ignore talent. At the end of the day, talent rises to the top. And if you can't win with that roster on paper, then something is wrong. That right there is good for at least 10 wins. Now, who would that knock out? Maybe that could knock out a team like Los Angeles, you know, out the West. Maybe you only get one team out the West and two or three in the North and one out the East and maybe one out the, the South. So I think you were going to get two out the South, two out, uh, two out the, the North. One would be Cleveland, and one out each team East and, and West. I'm going to have to go with the Carolina Panthers. 
The Panthers are definitely uh, an underrated stacked team, like Dave was saying earlier. I mean, last season when they had Cam, they went, they were six and one. Cam gets hurt, and then they finished the season with seven wins. Cam, this Carolina Panthers team is a team that wouldn't surprise you if they won six or seven games in the season, but it also wouldn't surprise you if they won 12 games in the season. With Kishan McCaffrey getting older, the uh, the wide receiver situation now getting a little bit better with speedy receivers on both sides of the ball and DJ Moore and Samuel, Greg Olson back healthy. And that defense has quietly picked up a couple players that I think that they're going to be a lot better this season. I can definitely see the Carolina Panthers being in contention with the Saints for this division and if not sneaking into the wild card. I think you got to look at Minnesota too. I think Minnesota's got another team that where I think they can slip into a wild card spot. I don't think they're going to do it in a loud fashion. I think they're going to barely going to squeak in. And I think the NFC East is only one big division this year just because they're all going to beat up on each other. That's the only reason I can say that. I think the Vikings will slip in uh, to that last wild card spot. I think Carolina could jump the Seahawks. I don't know if Seattle's making it this year. There's a lot of question marks there around Russell Wilson. Uh, so... For me, I, I think I think Minnesota's got a decent shot. AFC, I think the Jets or the Browns, like Emery was saying, I think they both have a good cha- chance. I think they might both make it. I mean, the Chargers are not exactly what they were a few years ago. There's a lot of questions in Indianapolis. Those are your wildcard teams from last year. Yeah, and I, I think if you're looking at a team to miss, I would say probably Los Angeles. You know, which one? The Chargers. Depends on when they're getting uh, Derwin James back. Um, I think they can make way without Melvin Gordon. I like Melvin Gordon, but I could see them having success without him. Uh, they need Derwin James, although they don't I, technically they don't need him. They need him, but they don't need him. Need him because that defense is still very good. Um, Jerry Tillery looks exactly like he looked at Notre Dame a, as a rookie, and I think they're you know the the fact that they're versatile with Kaiser White and the rest of those guys. They can go from safety to to linebacker um, with ease. They'll be good. I think the rest of the AFC will be better. I, I do believe you'll see a 10-win team, you know, in the AFC missed the playoffs. playoffs yeah. yeah. We've seen that before. We saw the Patriots, what, 11-5 yeah. and missed the playoffs that year with Matt Castle. So I think that's a team that made the playoffs last year that won't make it this year. I'm sticking with the AFC West. Another team who I feel is very underrated and could make splashes is the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. because we know that defense with Von Miller, Chubb, their DBs, that defense can make some noise. And here's another team with a missing piece you believe it's now filled with the acquisition of Joe Flacco. The receivers are pretty stacked. Emmanuel Sanders, when healthy, can be one of the top receivers in this league, and they just have nothing but young guys behind them in Washington and Cortland Sutton. And their running backs, Philip Lindsay bursts on the scene last season. You, you thought it was going to be Royce Freeman. Turns out to be Lindsay but they still have Freeman who has a lot of potential. So this Bronco team is another one who, if the pieces fall in, they can definitely make some noise and might squeak in. Yeah, as far as a team that might miss, uh, I think it's got to be the Indianapolis Colts. I, they, uh, I mean, losing Andrew Luck, uh, that's just obviously too big of a, of a loss. Now, I think they could be an 8-8 eight and eight team, possibly at a ceiling, a 9-7. and seven. But like you were saying before, Emery, this might come down to 10, uh, 10 wins to get into the postseason. And I think that one or two wins that Brissett might not bring to them, especially early on getting reacclaimed, that, that might just cause them the season uh, for the playoffs. I think it's Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh has got a lot of issues that 
weren't really addressed in the offseason for me. I, I think I do have questions about James Conner. I love his story, but I don't know if he's a top running back in the NFL, especially when you have a lot of questions in terms of your other weapons, a quarterback that's been injury-prone the last few years, Pittsburgh, and especially in a much more competitive division with Cleveland and Baltimore. I think that's going to be a big, big challenge for Pittsburgh to, I think they could easily finish third in this division. I really think that's a possibility. Let's talk about the MVP award. Who is the NFL MVP at the end of the 2019 season? Emery. You know what? I'm staying with it because I think here's we've seen the league go, you know, when they when they're wrong bigly, when they're big wrong, they the pendulum swings to the opposite side. These are the same people that said Pat Mahomes was going to be trash in the NFL. Couldn't draft him, came out of bogus system. He balls out. Now everybody loves Pat Mahomes, they make him the MVP. Who's the the the, the guy that everybody you know, crapped on last year as being trash despite being good. Lamar Jackson. Guess who's going to win the MVP this year? Ooh. Lamar Jackson. Because he's going to have a killer year because of the highlight plays. That's always something that stays in the mind of folks. He's going to run for probably 1,000. He's going to probably be the first 3,500, uh, 1,000-yard, you know, player in, in, the, uh, in the league. He's going to throw for 3,500, 3, rush for 1,000. He's going to probably have like 10 rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to go... 29 and 8 as far as touchdown to interception ratio. Baltimore is going to be in the playoffs. I think Lamar Jackson, because of the highlight play stuff, will win the MVP. And in conjunction with everyone is going to try to, well, I, I always knew he could have it. Like, <laughs> shut up. Are you looking so, at my notes again? Because I had the same thing. I'm just saying. Like, I just, everyone's going to be the league. The league is funny. If you really sit back and just watch it like a free safety, like, okay, that's BS. Okay, that's BS. That's hype. That's narrative. You see it all play out, and you know how it's gonna gonna end. Like again, everybody hated Pat Mahomes until Pat Mahomes did exactly what he did at Texas Tech, and everybody loves. But you see, you can't find a negative article about Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Everything is everybody's. You know, if they wrote fifteen negative articles about Pat Mahomes, a particular writer, next thing you know, that same writer has forty-five glowingly pieces on Pat Mahomes to drown out the fact that he said he wasn't going to be good. By the way, if he wins the MVP this year. Lamar Jackson would be only the ninth player ever to win the Heisman and the NFL MVP in their career. A little, little quick trivia section before we get to yours. How many of the other eight can you guys name? Cam. There you go. That's one. Um, all right. Cam, or you say Cam. Uh, Marcus Allen. There you go. Marcus Allen was one? Yep. Marcus Allen, 1985. That's two. Uh, there was no other reason. Let me, let, me give, let me give you the years for the other when they won the MVP. 1997. Desmond Howard? Nope. Oh, he won Super Bowl MVP. Damn. Who? Barry Sanders. You forget Barry Sanders won the Heisman Trophy. 1978 and 79. Earl Campbell. There you go. 1973. Wait, he won. Earl Campbell won two? Two. <laughs> 1973. OJ. The juice is loose. 1971. Plunkett? Mm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. The, the racking of the brains here. We, it ain't we, it ain't Manning. No, but you got the you got. There's a connection between Manning and the team this guy played for. Wow, I don't know. I'm I'm stumped. Who? Roger Staubach. Ah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Because he he had to go five years right before he. I got you. 1961. That's a trick one. 1961. If you if, if you get either of these last two, I'll be shocked. 61. 61. 
let's see who won the Heisman in the in uh it said won the Heisman and won NFL MVP. NFL MVP won the NFL MVP in 1961. 61. It has to be somebody from like the Bears. Paul Hornung. Horning. Oh, from Green Bay. I forgot he won yep. the Heisman. And 1944. <laughs> if yeah. you get this one. You guys got this. 40, <laughs> and I've got the answers in front of me. I don't know if I wouldn't have the answers. 44 won the Heisman and NFL MVP. Was it uh, what, what, um, what position? I wish it gave it to me in, this, <laughs> in the middle of this Reddit. <laughs> oh, um, 44, 44. See that's it. It can't be Doc Blanchard or, or nope. uh, okay, who? Frank Sinkwich. I wouldn't have got that. Nineteen forty-four. By the way, he's the only one besides Cam Newton of those list that's not an NFL Hall of Famer. Just throwing that out there. Wow. Anyway, back to MVP Troy. See this this award is such a travesty, you know, because it doesn't <laughs> go to the MVP. Right. It goes to the best player on one of the best teams. But I I can't even choose a single player here. I'm gonna have to say, the it's gonna be defensive. It has to be defensive because over the past few years, it should have been defenses a few times. Nope. So I'm gonna go with <laughs> Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald. Okay. All right. They, yeah, I could see it being a, the Susan Ricci Award, where you know um, <laughs> they probably should have given it to Donald the last two years. And he finally gave it to him, and you know, in a year where he probably don't right. deserve it, yeah, right. yeah. just give it to him. I was okay with him. I, was, I, I had Mahomes as MVP last season. An mm-hmm. argument could have been made for Donald, but the year before should have been Donald, yeah, hands easy. down, hands down. Alex, well, obviously, it's going to be Brian Fitzpatrick when he leads the Miami <laughs> Dolphins to the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> no, it's uh, I what Troy said. It's it usually goes to the best player or the most exciting player on the best team. Uh, with all the hype the media has given the Cleveland Browns this year, Ooh, that's true. if they win, if they win the division, I, just the division, and he has like thirty-five touchdowns, it's Baker Mayfield. That's, oh, yeah, you know what? That's, 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 that's a good one. The media is just, it's just they just need every time he throws for three or four touchdowns, they're just going to be salivating at mm-hmm. it. Dark horse, Blake Bortles. Yeah. You think he overtakes Jared Goff? <laughs> <laughs> headline of the year. <laughs> we are coming down to the end of the show here, but we can't do our all-around preview without making Super Bowl predictions. Alex, Ooh, right. for, the, for the crucifixion that you will receive in yeah. about four or five months in February, who is your Super Bowl champion and against whom? Oh, all right. Well, my Super Bowl champion... Until this man retires, is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, oh, for and sake. they will be beating. They will be beating the Matt Nagy Chicago Bears. Wow! Ooh. Oh yeah, okay. you'll see it. Cleo Mack goes full they year. They get revenge uh, from Super Bowl twenty. Interesting. Interesting. Troy, a Super Bowl champion, and finally getting a ring, a ring, read. I should ring, say. Ring, <laughs> ring. Either one you want to hear it. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, Kansas okay. City, I okay. Like and they will be defeating Matt Nagy Let's and go. the Chicago Bears. Let's go. Wow. Wow. I, I, I would sign I, up for that. Yeah. All uh, right. I, I think Trubisky gets into the bowl this year. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's some interesting takes going on here. I like it. The, the easy money is New England, right? That's, you know, that's a given. So I'm not going to do easy money. I'm going to take a risk here uh, because I, I – I think in order to get past New England, you got to have great defense. Mm-hmm. So to me, that eliminates Kansas, Kansas City, City, right? I'm going to go Baltimore oh. versus <laughs> Dallas with Dallas winning. 
Dallas okay. winning. I think Dallas really? is probably the more the most well-balanced team in the NFC. I think defensively they're good. They got young active linebackers that they don't have to take off the field. Secondary can make plays. Defensive line now has the pass rush. I like Dallas's defense and offensively, quietly, when you look at Dak Prescott's performances in the playoffs, they've been excellent. And now you have Amari Cooper, you have an emerging Michael Gallup, you have whatever is out there wearing 82 at tight end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking more at Blake Jarwin coming up, coming, you know, coming uh on strong late like he did last year. And they're gonna have Zeke in addition to Dak Prescott, playing probably for a contract. I think all of those signs point to Dallas. Baltimore is more defense, special teams, the, the Lamar Jackson aspect of it, you know, being a, a fly in the ointment. So I'm going with Baltimore and Dallas, with Dallas winning. Whoever speaks the loudest speaks the least. There's a lot of teams around that are getting a lot of hype, maybe a little bit too early for my taste. So I'm going to go with New England. Who will be defeated by the New Orleans Saints. Quietly, the combination of Kamara and Drew Brees. You know you can go with a gunslinger at any point to get you into a title game. They're going to have a hard time getting past a team like the L.A. Rams, but I think New Orleans has enough veterans to take care of business, and I think they defeat New England in another great quarterback duel between Brees and Brady. I would have been fine if this would have happened last year. Like, I don't even want to see this game anymore. <laughs> I don't want to see this game. No, you don't, you don't want to see Big Ben versus, versus uh, New England in the playoffs anymore. That, that's, that's the one you don't want to see. Anymore. I don't want to see Saints play New England. Like, the moment it has passed, I want to see some new teams in it. You know? Indianapolis Colts have signed Peyton Manning along with Brad Paisley. And that's part, <laughs> part of their upgrade of the offense. Off the wall Super Bowl uh, um, team, you know, Chicago is, is definitely one. Uh, in the AFC, I think people will look at Kansas City and, you know, in uh, New England. Uh, but off the wall probably is Cleveland. And people, you know, but they, they're, they have too much talent to not be a problem. And, yeah. you know, it just all depends. And then they're going to get Kareem Hunt back. Like, this t- and they're going to get Antonio Callaway back. <laughs> so it's like this team is going to get better as the season goes on. It's going to be certainly something to watch. Again, we're all probably 100% wrong on those predictions on every single one <laughs> of them. Not with New England, know. though. I think it's going to be like, but we'll just have, find a way to get in. We'll have to see what happens. But, folks, that will do it for the NFL All-32 podcast. Again, if you want to listen back to this podcast or any other football game plan content, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. We are on TV in the New York metro area. If you have Optimum, go to Game Plus Network where you will see the NFL All-32 TV show, as well as the College Football Tailgate show presented by Football Game Plan. We have all of that there. And don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com and youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of your football knowledge from the pros all the way down to college and beyond. Emery, do you have anything else that uh, you want to plug here real quick at the end of the show? Footballgameplan.com slash Offense. Get your copy of the Go-Go Offense book, which has been doing really well. Uh, offensive coordinator Brendan Marion of William & Mary details his offense from soup to nuts and has done a great job as far as uh, bringing something unique to college football. We talked about how unique in the game has evolved over the years and the different things that we've seen 
Uh, well, this go-go offense is something new. So it's been exciting to see the feedback we've gotten from the fans, the people that have purchased the book. So you can go ahead and get your copy at footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense. That'll do it for us, folks. We'll be back right here next week talking about all the week one action and previewing week two for Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. I've been David Hashagan. Thanks for listening in.